0: Today's episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming. Now Manscaped recently sent us their performance package 4.0 to test out several of their products. Now the timing of this couldn't be better because I've actually been hitting up Hanlon's, that's Toronto's super gay clothing optional beach, a lot lately and I really want to feel good about my goods being on display. Now, I must admit, I usually don't like manscaping because it's really hard for me to navigate the balls and butthole region. And I've actually nicked my ball sack numerous times in the past with my old trimmer. And if you've ever had a below-the-waist grooming accident, you know how traumatizing it can be to put anything sharp near that area ever again. Now, the first thing I used was the Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer. I used it on my pubes and then on the base of my dick, my balls, my undercarriage, and all the way around to the back of my butthole. Now, I must admit, I got a little overzealous with the trimming length, and I did it at the shortest length, which is 3 millimeters, when I probably should have done maybe 6 or 10 millimeters. Uh, So it's a good thing that hair does grow back. And by the way, guys, there's also a 13 millimeter setting. So if you like it longer down there, you have four different lengths to choose from. Now, I'm happy to report that I did not experience any nicks or snagged hairs and considering that I have long thick Italian hair down there, this is no small feat. And this is thanks to their advanced skin safe technology and ceramic blade that reduces grooming accidents. One of my favorite features though was this little 4000K LED spotlight that helps shine a light in all of those dark crevasses of my genitals. It was super helpful. Now, when I was finished with all the grooming, I spritzed with their Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Who knew that was even a thing? What a pleasant surprise. When I asked my partner to smell my balls, his exact words were, Ooh, that's nice actually. It's not overly strong and adds the perfect level of a refreshing scent to your freshly trimmed balls. I also tried out their nose and ear hair trimmer called the Weed Whacker, which is waterproof, and I got rid of those rogue, annoying nose hairs within just a matter of seconds, so that was super convenient as well. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0. Their Manscaped boxer briefs, which are sleek black boxers uh, and a travel bag, which is the perfect size to fit in all of the goods. Uh, It actually has a few little hidden zippers and pockets where I plan on putting things like condoms and lube packets when I'm traveling. So I can safely say that I can vouch for these products at Manscaped. And if you're in the market for new grooming products, you can get 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping when you use our exclusive promo code, gmgd at manscaped.com. Now, on with today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Game and Going Deeper, a podcast about personal development, mental health, and sexuality. Today, I'm your host. My name is Michael Diario. I am a life and wellness coach, and I specialize in helping my clients build authentic self-confidence from the inside out especially in the areas of sexuality, dating, and relationships. Today, I am super excited to welcome back to the show, Hector Rodriguez. Hector is a Miami-based psychiatrist who also works with many gay men. Hector has actually been a guest on our show before, episode number 92, Shiny Object Syndrome, which is a very popular episode, Hector, by the way. Uh, So, Hector, thank you for coming back to the show.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me back. I actually got very excited when you told me that... um, wanted to do something again. And I was like, Oh, awesome. That was that was super fun the first time. Um, But you know, I'm I'm a doctor, I'm a psychiatrist in in Miami, Florida. And uh, a lot of my patients um, are LGBTQ uh, community. And it's amazing to be able to work um, within the community that you're a part of. Yeah. Uh, And I'm very excited to be here and talk about this topic today.
0: Yes, thank you so much. So today, guys, we're talking about intergenerational relationships what that means for this episode we're going to define <laughs> that as any relationship that has a gap of 10 years or more so that's what we're going to define it as today okay uh, that works for you heather or heather hector <laughs> <laughs> i could be heather, be heather. <laughs> it's a great direct name heather <laughs> okay um, so yeah. yeah yeah 10 years or more is what we're going to be talking about today we're going to be covering uh romantic relationships and also friendships within the gay community. So specifically, we're gonna look at some of the benefits of intergenerational relationships amongst gay men. We're going to look at some of the common stigmas that are attached to these older, younger relationships and how to deal with that. And then we're gonna talk about some of the real and very unique challenges that come with being in an intergenerational romantic relationship and maybe how to deal with some of those challenges. Okay, so let's get into it. let me just speak to my experience first, just so that everyone knows. I've never really been in an inter in an inter, I have a hard time with this today. <laughs> intergenerational or romantic relationship. The the relationship I had that had the biggest age difference. Uh, he was 10 year, or eight years younger than me. So not quite 10. Um, but most of the time the guys I've I've dated long term have been around my age. Uh however, I can't speak to absolutely the uh platonic kind of intergenerational friendship. So a little bit about my history. Um, the adults in my life when I was growing up were not gay, not none of them, zero, at least not that I knew of. So I didn't have that kind of role model, uh, a gay person, even, even LGBTQ, nothing in that realm th- that I saw growing up. So, and they don't need to be, I mean, my role models were awesome. My parents and adults in my life were awesome. They imparted a lot of really good wisdom on me, but there is something to be said for having, uh, older men in your life who have navigated those unique challenges that I was facing as a kid, uh. Homophobia, coming out, you know, relationships, gay culture, all these things. Someone who I could trust, who I could, you know, be myself with. Uh, someone who's ideally who's been around the block and could help me handle the tough shit that I was handling on my own. Uh, questions about sex, uh, you know, feeling so lost and alone. I grew up in the burbs, went to Catholic school. I didn't, I didn't have any access or anything to gay culture or other gay guys. So someone who would be like, Hey, listen, this is, this is how it works. Uh, you know, by the way, you're super lucky to be gay. This is a great thing. Here's why um, introduce me to this wild, wonderful world, you know, in a way that I would feel safe and someone that I could trust. So I didn't have that. That would be great. And I think part of the work I do now is in, in my content is having, you know, putting that out there. I know it's a very different world today than it was when I was coming up, but still I would have loved that. And I think. You know, I was born in 83, I'm gonna be 40 this year. So the the men that came before me, a lot of them died during the AIDS crisis. So I feel like, you know, we lost a lot of guys who could have maybe would have been that father-like figure for me. So here's the thing, even though I didn't, I did, I did come with my parents and they did, they were mostly supportive and they empathized in the way that they could, they didn't have that lived experience. You know, they couldn't tell me about things like Stonewall or coming out or how hard it is or, you know, the bathhouse rides and they couldn't impart all that really rich gay culture onto me. So I had to learn a lot of this stuff, you know, dating, sex, gay bars, all that stuff through trial and error, which I will say has its own benefit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also at the same time, I'm very lucky to be alive. (laughs) Like I did some shit, (laughs) I don't know how I survived it. I should not have done half the stuff I did uh, when I was younger you know but that's that that was then i made it things are all good but let's fast forward here i am today as i said i'm turning 40 this year and guess what i still want that older man in my life like i haven't outgrown that that desire or that need now instead of things like coming out and relationships it's more like i have questions about relevance as we age and purpose and, you know, our community is very much youth-obsessed, as they say. And so a lot of people will say that they lose their relevance. And I'm already noticing that. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm old. I'm only 40. I think that's young. But um, I, I can see that already, right? Uh, so I kind of still want that older man in my life to talk about things like like that with. Uh, someone who knows what it's like in 10, 20, 30, 40 years for me. Someone who can kind of tell me, hey, this is what to expect. This is, this is how it works. So... The good news is I do have that person and I'm going to talk about him in our next question. I do have that person now. Uh, but let's first hear from Hector. What's your perspective on this? What are some of the benefits um, that you see in your personal experience and even even within your profession of having intergenerational
1: relationships, platonic I mean, or it, otherwise? It's funny you mentioned that. Um, I didn't know you were born in 83. So yeah. so was I. So oh, I also really? turned 40 this year. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I mean, I think I also didn't have, um, that gay, um, figure, uh, growing up. And even in my twenties, when you're still trying to figure out what, um, you know, what you like, what you don't like. Um, but I did notice that throughout life, I always had an age gap, um, with everyone around me that I found interesting. So to me, I think that's one of the things that I've noticed that would be a huge benefit from being an inter- Uh, in an intergenerational relationship of any kind is that they tend to be the most interesting people in your life. And they tend to be more of that, that fascinating person that you kind of go to for like, not just their, their, their ideas, but also their stories and their life stories. So I've always been fascinated by that. And I noticed that even as a little kid, I always went to those older people around me. I never, never really went so much to people my age for that kind of relationship. I went to older people um, and I feel that I've always done that in life. Um, I don't know if you knew, but before I was a uh, a doctor, I was a fashion photographer. So a lot of my older gay friendships, I learned, uh, I, I gained when I was a photographer. So they didn't just give me uh, a lot of their knowledge from the artistic side of photography, but that's when I started learning more about sexuality um, and about what do I like, what I don't like. And I think they kind of guided me in, in the coming out process. And And I feel, um, I think, I think at that time, I didn't realize it until now when you look back and you're like, yeah, they were my guides in that part. And I think that's one of the huge benefits of having uh, an older person. Now having a benefits for the older person is, that younger person tends to introduce new ideas. Um, they tend to give you a new uh, way of looking at things because sometimes we get set in our way, right of seeing things or viewing the world that once you kind of throw that curveball with a younger person and then when I say younger again, 10 year gap at least, right, um, they do bring this different um, way of seeing things. So you probably didn't see it before. Um, And believe it or not, studies have shown that it it improves quality of life for the older uh, person in the relationship. So it's really interesting to see that there's actual studies that prove to be uh, very beneficial to have these kinds of relationships. And again, I'm just talking about the friendship part, but from my personal experience um, in the romantic side, I have, I have a boyfriend who's 10 years younger than me and it's, it's really funny because in a lot of ways, he's just like me. So it's like, oh, my God, that was me 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, but then in other ways, like I have now seen things and experienced things uh, through a different lens. So we call that negativity bias, right? So usually when we see things in a in a different way, but more glass half empty, usually that could be a product of our life experiences, right? We've been hurt before. um, So we start creating walls. Um, So when you kind of throw this younger person into the mix, it allows you to see things through a different lens. So when we look at the negativity bias, and I mentioned this because I talk about this with my patients like every single day, um, is giving you that ability to kind of clean the lens, to kind of look at, the, look at things again, um, and not necessarily through that, um, the lens of being hurt or from experiences that might have scarred you a little bit. Um, now this younger person is going to be like, no, but look at it like this. And you're like, oh, okay, I didn't think about it like that. Um, so those are two of the biggest benefits that I would probably say, um, are really beneficial, um, for, uh, intergenerational relationship of any kind, romantic or friendship, Honestly.
0: Yeah, 100%. I, I, I'm I looking at it is a symbiotic relationship. I, I'm glad yeah, that you yeah. mentioned that. And I think for us, you know, both turning 40 this year. When's your actual birthday, Hector? May 11th. Oh, I'm May 27th. We are so what? close. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Who knew? Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we're, I, I kind of see myself as in the middle. Like, I don't think I'm old. I don't think I'm young. I'm like at this beautiful yeah, 40, uh, like no. 20 years ago is 20, 10, 20 years from now, we'll be 60. <laughs> like, so we can kind of have both. We can enjoy being the the older person and being the younger. And I think that's such a great, yeah. rich place to be. I love the word they use, right? It's it's interesting. I would agree. Yeah. So with my friend, um, you know, I, I would agree. He's probably the most interesting person uh that I can talk to. And when we get to spend time together, I really value it. It's a it's a breath of fresh air from my usual gay circle. Not to yeah. say there's anything wrong with my usual guy circle. They're awesome. I love them. But it's nice to have a little something different from someone who has a different perspective, who who has experienced things that none of us really have. He offers a, a unique perspective, and that's exactly what I love about spending time with him. I think also it it there's a certain attractiveness and i'm not just talking like in a sexual way but there's just general a charisma maybe that comes with age like there's a certain wisdom and charisma that you can only get as you age and um i I noticed that not just with him but with older people in general another example is tim mccaskill who i've interviewed on this show before twice and i mean even you people tell me like you have like a a crush like i have a crush on him because like when he's talking i'm just like
1: wow (laughs) this is so interesting he has all this
0: wealth of experience right um, yeah, so I think that to me is is a very attractive quality. It's it's an intellectual or energetic turn on. So that's mm-hmm. that's what I'll speak to personally. I think another benefit to our culture is looking at the macro level. Um, what's your ethnic background, Hector? Cuban. Cuban. Okay. Yeah. So mine mine is Italian. So in our ethnic backgrounds, it's really easy to see that you know our grandparents passed down stories, traditions, all these kinds of things through our parents and to us, and it. It gives us a sense of pride in our culture. And the same thing I think could be said for gay culture. So when we disconnect ourselves from that older generation, we lose so much of our culture, uh, our our wisdom, the, the shared stories, like I said earlier, things like, you know, Stonewall, riots, uh, Harvey Milk, all of these things that are really part, I think they're, they're really caused to be proud to be gay and part of this rich history. So I think at the macro level, that's one of the huge benefits is it, it, People who don't have that, like my friends who don't have those older people, they're the ones who like, oh yeah, you know, they have such shitty things to say about gay culture. And there are, I'm not taking that away. There are a lot of shitty things about it, but also we have a lot to be proud of, right? Right. That tends to get lost if we don't have those people to pass down those stories. And then I'll speak to the micro. So that was the macro level for me personally. Micro is it's so nice to just have someone who gets it, like who gets me. And I kind of like, like, he's the only person in my life who like, kind of pat me on my head and say oh you silly boy like, <laughs> like no one else does that and i think it's kind of nice yeah. it's, it's, it's that guidance it's kind of reassuring you know and in in many ways he's he's been where i am now and i'm going to you know hopefully where he is so right. as someone who is 40 and there's this whole thing about aging and being gay i see him and i'm like aging's not that bad. Like, you know, he's a wonderful example of aging with grace and he's fun. He travels. He still got, he still enjoys life's pleasures. He's got a little bit of mischief in him, which is is how I am like, okay, when I'm 70, I want to be like that.
1: Right. Right. So I
0: think that that gives us, uh, that gives me a good example as I kind of go through this process. And again, my friends who don't have that, same thing. They're the ones who are like, oh my God, you know, gay death, 30, gay death at 40, whatever that is. They have this terrible relationship with aging and getting older, I think because they don't have those examples of, of gay guys who can age with grace or age and be happy or still enjoy life's pleasures. So that's just it. I think, I think that's what I get out of it. And go back to your example about how, you know, the other side of it, what, what do you think um, they get from that as the older person?
1: So um like you know like I was saying so it improves their quality of life um introduces new ideas it it just like for the younger one um to see things a different way um the older one would now see things another way right because sometimes as we age we do create patterns of behavior unconsciously or consciously uh or we have we you know we set opinions about different topics but i think One of the fascinating things about life is, and here we're talking about age, but then we talk about different cultures and different age groups in different cultures, just kind of give you, I think a more, a richer approach to life. Um, So I'm always inclined to, whenever I have a party, whenever I have something, it's like, I'm going to invite people from different age groups, different backgrounds, different walks of life, because I think not only is it going to enrich the environment, but it's going to enrich those people because normally they wouldn't radiate towards each other unless i all put them all in a room. Um, And it's something that I tend to do always. So, and I, I want to say that I probably copied that from my parents and from my grandparents. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think that kind of of behavior we learn from our parents. So if our parents didn't do that, didn't expose us to different things, didn't expose us to different people and different age groups, we're not probably going to be doing it today and and then reaping the benefits from that. Um so to me, um being the older person in in a romantic relationship, I I love it. I mean, I see things from not just his side or his angle, but now I understand him better. And sometimes I understand myself better. Um, I probably in the last um uh, few months though that, that in our our relationship, I have grown so much as an individual. Um, I have been become more proud of being 40 and not seeing that as like, oh my God, like that's it, we're gonna die next year, right? Um, but but seeing as like, in an rich relationship um and i really can't you know i can't do it any other way um i i love it um and i keep saying i love it because it is it is true um we tend to now have a much quality of life um and then it propels me to my future so yeah, I, yeah like now i want to see how i'm going to be when i'm 70 and 80 um you know what i mean um and then now i'm looking for that 70 and 80, because now I'm kind of jealous that you have a 70 (laughs) 70 and 80, like a 70-ish, because it is, I think, I think every stage in our, in our life, um, whether we're in our 40s, 50s, or 70s, it has its thing, it has its charisma, it has its good, and it also has its bad too, but I think being able to see that it doesn't just help me, but it also helps our community. Um, I think one of the biggest things that our community has been able to experience in the last decade is marriage and seeing as uh, our life as a longevity. And I I think part of it is, um, yeah, with the AIDS crisis in the 80s, I felt a lot of us were in the mentality of like, that's it. We're not going to live long. We're going to just have this period of partying at a certain age. And and that's good. But then we don't see the development. We don't we, we haven't seen that modeled. And I think. Um, from that macro uh, perspective you were mentioning, um, being able to have someone older, now I know that there is a model of development as a gay male um, that I can follow. And yes, I could have kids. And yes, I could be a grandparent um, to my own kids. So it's amazing to see that. And and I think in the bigger scale, it's changing how we view age. Um, I think for a long time, we see age as... Like, <laughs> like, no, not me. Yeah. Right. Um, and now I feel we're embracing it more. I'm going to tell you, probably in the last year, I've been hit on so much on social media, because I'm aging. <laughs> and I'm like, really, like, what are yeah. you talking about? Like, you know, and it's the funniest thing, right. But at the end of the day, I think what it does, it allows me to feel confident that I am older, And then that feeds into my relationship too, unconsciously, because then I become more confident in being the, the older, you know, daddy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, this is all good.
0: And so I hope for the, for the viewer listener out there, if there's one thing, I think we've done a great job (laughs) of talking about the benefits. So, you know, ask yourself this, if you're kind of whatever age you are, ask yourself this, how many friends do I have outside of my generation that are 10 years older or 10 years younger? Ask yourself that and just kind of think about that and how exposed are you to viewpoints that are, again, of a different perspective, not just age, but, you know, all, all across the board, but specifically today we're talking about age and just keeping in mind that if all of your, you know, it's like that compound effect, that echo chamber, if, if all the people that you surround yourself with are the same age, you're really losing out on getting that different perspective that could help grow you or help shift something for you. And that actually could be very stagnating. So um, I think we've done a great job on that one, Hector. Let's talk a little bit about the other side of things. So for all the benefits of these intergenerational relationships, the Lord knows there are a lot of judgments that come with it. And I want to, I want to take some time to talk about that today. So I went through our Facebook group, the Gay Men's Brotherhood, and this is a fairly popular topic we have there. So here are some of the some of the words that I took from that uh, and we can talk about them. So uh, some of the stigmas that are attached to these older, younger relationships, uh, whether they're romantic or otherwise, uh, the notion that it's predatory one way or another. So an older man preying on a younger person is, is a pervert. Uh, they're obsessed with the youth. Uh, I'm using quotes for everyone. These are, these are not my words. Um, you know, uh, for the younger side, pre- preying on the older person, they're a gold digger. You know, there's the terms robbing the cradle, robbing the grave. I see those a lot. Um, other people will say if it's a romantic relationship, that it's not a real relationship. It's a sugar daddy, sugar baby thing. It's not real. It's, it's transactional. It's doomed to fail. I've seen that one. Um, another Another common one is it's not actual love. It's just a fetish. And then for the people that do actually feel a genuine attraction to either younger or older, 10 years or more, um, there's a bit of shame in that like is something wrong with me, right? I think these stigmas force you to ask the question like, oh, wait a minute, like is something wrong with me? Am I a predator? Am I just you know a gold digger? Uh, there's a lot of shame that comes with it. So here's just some of them. surely there's more. Hector, tell us what are some of the stigmas you've faced if you feel comfortable and then how do you cope
1: with it? so it was it was super funny because at the beginning of our relationship, <clears throat> Some blog um, got pictures of us and like were trashing. They tried. It was the funniest thing. They really tried. Most people they didn't find anything. <laughs> Once they they, digged into like my website, my blog, and and my partners. Um, I mean there was nothing there, right? But it, it was short lived. But it was funny because we were still, in a way, for for a week or two attacked just because we were we have age differences. And me being a doctor, immediately they were like, Oh yeah, gold digger, right? And the funny thing is that he makes more money than me mm-hmm. and he is younger. Um, and I think that whole fetish situation, I find that very interesting. And then the judging part, I find it even more interesting coming from people in our community, because I feel we're running away from being judged, but then we do so much judging to each other that it's just like so backwards to me that it makes absolutely no sense. Um, But what what do we did in that topic? Honestly, for us, it was a very comical time. You know, we were like, are you serious? Like, these people obviously don't know us, right? Um, But I feel... When it when something could become a fetish, or when something can become something that you're just attracted to, um, I always boil it down to: Well, are you more fascinated with the idea or the person? If you are just fascinated uh, with that person that's in front of you, who happens to be younger or older than you, then everything else just kind of melts away because it's not important. It's 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 not what's on the stage. It's not the first thing that I'm looking at. I'm focused on the person. I'm in love with this individual, which is the same thing when I I met um, the love of my life. I saw him. It happened to be a male because at that time I was like, I don't think I'm gay. I don't know what I like, blah, blah, blah. This was years ago. Um, So I think it boils down to, for me, to that. Am I in love with this person who's in front of me, whether they are of a different color, different race, different age, um, different sex than me? Um, then that's what's important. You know, I think everything else kind of melts away. Yes. Is this is a stigma there? Yes. Is there still judgment? Yes. Um, unfortunately, and it's really sad coming from our, our, our community. And that's why I, I stress that so much is because it's so backwards for us to judge each other when we've always been judged growing right. up. And then, and then sometimes I wonder if like, that's even like a, some kind of mechanism we learned that now we feel that we can do it because now we're the cool kids. Right. Um, And it's, 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 you know, it's really sad. Um, But for us in the moment, we just kind of laughed it off. Um, You know, we were able to, to go through it and, um, and, you know, we're here. Um, I think at the end of the day, we love each other. So it was like, okay, that's just what people are saying and and thinking. Um, Just funny. Yeah. I think
0: that's it. I think having that, having that ability, it's great that you guys have each other to lean on, which is really nice. Like you're, you're yeah. in that relationship and and going back to that question they asked, I think it was perfect. It's a per- perfect question to, to kind of get to the core of it. Um, but it is hard. I mean, I, I would imagine even like any kind of judgment and you're right. I agree with everything mm-hmm. you're saying about the gays, the gays and our, our, our tendency to judge really quickly. Our like tendency in, to judge. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to get out of, but I, you know, you have interesting theory. I think it's tricky because what I notice is an older man who shows interest in a younger man is often seen automatically as a sexual advance or flirting. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but I think it's hard because when we automatically put it in that category of, oh, he's hitting on me, like he wants he wants me sexually, when we automatically do that, we lose the potential for, maybe it just could be a friendly older Man, and I will say this, I think people of, of, of an older generation are naturally just more friendly. Uh, and they'll say, hello, good morning, whatever, open yeah. the door for you. Like, they're just naturally nicer. I know this is a generalization, yeah. but I'm going to say it. Um, then maybe younger people who are, I find a little bit more, I'll use the word, like, I don't know. They don't have that, like, charisma, right? Like, yeah. if they, yeah. like, an older people, like, older men will say hi to me. And I don't always think it's sexual. Now, sometimes it is. And this happens to me at the gym a lot. <laughs> and (laughs) i don't i don't like it right like i don't like it i sometimes it is sexual and sometimes they're friendly and sometimes it's both right and that's okay too but i what i've learned is i will allow it until until there's a line crossed until it's like okay now we're going somewhere else and then i can say hey listen no thank you not interested or nice to meet you have a great rest of your day goodbye um so i just don't think it's fair necessarily that that older men get Kind of slap that label on, like, oh, you're you're hitting on me. It's always sexual. The truth mm-hmm. is, all men of all ages are guilty of, of unwanted sexual advances. Yeah. Yeah. I've done it. There's different, different you know, ways of doing it. Yeah. So I, I think it's a form of of ageism. Like mm-hmm. it's it's stigmatized when it's a, someone who's older doing that. But I mean, wait, why can't they? Why can't they shoot their shot if that's what they're interested in? Why not? Why is that right. such a bad thing? And why can't we just say no? So what are your thoughts on that as a as a form of ageism in our community?
1: I mean, I think the way you said it is like, it's so true. I mean, it does happen. Um, but I think part of that is, is I think the older we get, we do become more confident. So we're not that afraid to go up to someone and be like, oh, hey, what's up? You know? Um, yeah. Could there be an attraction? Does it have to be a sexual attraction? I want to say that maybe a lot of the times it could be, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to go and be with that person. You might just be attracted to them. Yeah. Um, and I think in life, we, we I mean, we face that. Um, I'm not, I'm not attracted to women, but there's some women that I'm going to go approach them because they're, they're attracted to me. It doesn't mean I'm gonna go sleep with them. Does that make sense? That's a good um, point. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that has its own, in Spanish, we call it "bail," <laughs> which means like, when you kind of get stuck on something that is not that important, you know, um, and I'm talking about, let that older guy walk up to right. you. Yeah. Or if you walk up to them, say hi back. Like, yeah. don't be a jerk, you know. Um, and and what you said was true too. Is like once they cross a line, or or you find yourself crossing that line, then you're like, oh, maybe I'm I'm attracted to them, and and in my relationship, I shouldn't be doing that because that's the terms that we have or whatever. Then I know when to stop, or I know when to let that other person like, hey, you know what? No, but but thanks. Right. Um, I feel it needs to be a little bit more more fluid. And more like just be confident that if you're not interested in a, to pursue it, pursue the relationship in that direction, then you're welcome to be like, hey, no, but thanks. But that doesn't make the other person a bad individual. And I think that's the part that we're missing out. Um, I think in Miami, it's so hard to make friends. And I feel a lot of it is because they have that. They feel that just because you're saying hi to them, they want to take you to bed. Um, and then there, I go to other cities in the world and even in this country where that's not the case and I have to know how to turn it off. I'm like, no, they're not hitting on me. They're just nice people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it happened to us when we lived in Chicago. I remember the beginning, um, I would, we would have guys come up to us and I was always like, oh no, they, no, 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 no. And it was like, no, just say hi. But it was that thing, that way of thinking that immediately that's what they wanted and, and also, doesn't make them a bad person if they want that. Agreed. I think we're adults, and 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 we're able to say no when we don't want something, and yes when we when we do. But I think the the sad part is that we're viewing them as this bad person, right? And and the bad one is always the older one. Exactly. And it's like, yeah. why do we view it like that? Yeah. Why do we think that that is? Um, you know, they, there are people out there who are of a predator mentality, and there's a whole other. Can of worms that we're not going to talk about in 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 the, in the world of fetishism, um but n- most of the time that's not the case. Most of the time, I think is the way you explained it was like perfectly. Is they're just going to be more more friendly and honestly, I think just more confident um yeah. that they're not going to be fearful of of rejection. Um, and and I want to be that. I want to be like that. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to be fearful of of rejection, and I want to be able to just walk up to people and. And not necessarily give them the the idea that I want to sleep with them, um, but that doesn't make me a predator. Doesn't make me a bad person because I'm going up to a younger person to say, "Hey, how are you?" Um, and I think a lot of it is our fascination with sex, and we think that everything is sexual. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> and,
0: and the youth part, right? Like, I think it's. I think that's the interesting part. Is why is it you know, if it's an older man, it it gets slapped immediately like predator pervert. But if it's Mm -hmm. a younger man who's, or someone of the same age, even who also unwanted, but that's, that's more okay. Why is one more okay than the other? That's the part. Yeah. Cool. So I think, I think that's an interesting conversation. So notice that guys, and here's the thing. I also am very annoyed when people, when I say no, and they keep trying, but again, that happens to people of all ages, right? It's not just the older ones. So for those of you who do get rejected, when someone says no, grace graciously accept that rejection graciously as well. Don't keep no. sh- don't keep trying. <laughs> okay, um, so besides the stigma, mm-hmm. stigmas attached, let's talk to some of these real and unique challenges that that come in intergenerational romantic relationships, and and how to speak to some of those because some of them are very real. So I'll share again what uh, some of the biggest questions that I've seen through the Gayman's Brotherhood Facebook group. So uh, there's a few here. Uh, I'll just I'll just read them all out, Hector. Then we can speak to the yeah. ones that you want to speak to, okay? All right. So um, some of the challenges, you know, what happens as you age and you grow apart with your different interests and priorities, okay? Um, so maybe as some nice. people age, they grow apart. Uh, another common one is, as the older partner's health deteriorates, will the younger partner still want to be around? Uh, another question a lot of questions about family acceptance parents don't agree with us friends don't agree with us you know going back to the going back to the stigma piece right it's it's really hard when it's coming from inside coming from someone that you that you love like a parent or family member um other questions around sexual compatibility and attraction as you age and libido changes and your body changes is that sexual compatibility still there let's say when one partner is 80 and the other one's 50 or whatever that may be and then finally um Questions around being at different stages in your life financially, uh, or being able to have or raise children, right? So someone who's younger might might want might be able to have kids and can see you know can be a young parent and have the energy to have kids, whereas an older partner may not. So these are some of the some of the challenges. I think they're very real challenges, right? Like the facts of being in an intergenerational relationship.
1: So I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Where where do you want to start with these? Um, so for me is. The, the, I guess the physical, the energy, um, the the libido, um, it's funny because that's what I do on a regular basis with a lot of my patients, um, whether they're in an intergenerational relationship or not. Um, we, so simple, we order labs, we look at hormone levels, um, and we don't see it, we don't see it that way. You know, we see as kind of like, oh, yeah, that's part of life. Our testosterone is going to go low as we age, um, and we're just going to deal with it. Um, I have some of my most high libido sexual patients are over 80, um, but it's how you treat it, you know? So my first thing, honestly, I, I, that's when I put on my doctor hat on and I'm like, okay, let's order labs. Let's check your, your hormone levels. Let's check your vitamin levels. Um, because there's different things that we could do to improve the sexual part of, of the relationship. And sometimes it's not just seen in different ages, um, sometimes the younger, um, I've had a few patients recently that the younger is the one that has lost a lot of the libido. Um, and then we're dealing with other issues there. Um, but that's honestly the first thing I do. Um, I check hormone levels and let's see how we can optimize them. Um, there's different foods that we can eat to boost um, testosterone. For example, not everything is, um, you know, uh, hormonal therapy that we need to do. There's different medications, different supplements that are natural that we can take to boost your testosterone. And that's why to me, like when you ask me, where do you want to start? I'm like, that's where I start, you know, because I'm like, if there is a low libido, I want to check how, how your brain is doing. Um, That's where it's coming from. Um, And I mean, I I do scans every single day of my patients, uh, brain scans, and we look at different parts of the brain. And one of them is the thalamus and the thalamus is literally in charge of libido energy, motivation, mood control. So all those things, when they're out of whack, you know, I call the the, the thalamus a thermostat. So when it's not set properly, you're going to have those issues. Um, so that's, that's where I go. I go that's, first there. That's so interesting. It's so, it's so
0: interesting to have that, that perspective from the mm-hmm. medical and, and your ability obviously to have access to these things. I, I didn't know that. So that's super cool. Yeah. Um, how about some of these other ones though? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, you know, the common one was, was the health deteriorating. Like, oh, I, I like this person today when I'm, you know, 40 and he's 50. But what happens when he's 70 and I'm 60? Like, are you still going to want to be around? You know, I think that's that's a common one for the older partner to be like, oh, he's going to leave me as I age. Right. And,
1: and I think I would probably say it goes back to how fascinated, how much in love you are with the person. And uh, I saw a post the other day on, on Instagram and it was these two older um, people like loving each other. And, this, and the whole thing was about like, it doesn't matter how old we are. I still see you because I see you. I don't see your outside shell, right? And I think hopefully when you're in these relationships, you know, the benefits that we talked about in length, right? Um, but it's improving your quality of life and how you see things. Um, so as we age, it's actually going to improve that quality of life. But we have to see our differences and appreciate them. And I think as we age, we tend to focus on the differences, but not appreciate them, not see them as, oh, I didn't see it like that. Or, oh, I'm so glad you proposed that solution that I didn't see it that way. And not always looking at it as why you think that way. You think different than me. And so then when you get stuck on that way of thinking and focusing on the differences as being a negative thing, as opposed to appreciate them, I think we get to age together, um, and and you build the, that bond even more. And um, and honestly, when I think of bond, I also think about the thalamus because the thalamus is also in charge of bonding. So it's so crazy because whenever I see that in a partner, immediately I'm like, I wonder how your thalamus looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is like thinking about their body parts, and you're like, don't <laughs> me your thalamus. <laughs> um, but it is it is very interesting. Um, and another part of our brain is called the posterior cingulate gyrus. And the cingulate gyrus is, um, we call it the brain's gear shifter. So when we get stuck on something, we become very inflexible, cognitively and emotionally. So as we age, I mean, there's a few studies talking about it, that that posterior cingulate gyrus actually gets more active because we become more emotionally intelligent, Hmm. which is changes the whole ballgame. Because by me becoming more emotionally intelligent, I'm going to be more aware of not just how I'm feeling, but how my partner is feeling. So even if they're aging or aging faster because they're like obviously older than me, um, I'm gonna be aware that they're going through stuff, and I'm gonna be more um, self-aware of how I'm feeling towards it. So it's like this this type of relationship that should be actually becoming stronger as we age. But I think it goes down to that basic thing of appreciating our differences, um, and that includes. Even if they are aging um, and they're going through health issues, is is having that person that that is there for you, or those persons that are there for you when you are sick. Um, I recently had a patient um, who is actually younger, but was diagnosed with a terminal illness, um, and their their partner um, is not ten years older, but they are eight years older. Um, and it was just so beautiful to see that relationship because that's when they were able to step in and help. So sometimes, you know, life is, you know, is not always yeah. the way we expected that the older one is the one that's going to get sick. In this particular case, the younger one is the one that got sick. Um, so I think we, we appreciate our differences and 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 we're able to go through those challenges a little bit easier. They're not hundred percent gone, right? They're going to be there. Um, and I think, think that's part of, of life too, but we need to be able to focus on that and kind of, it's, it's a way of just viewing those differences. It's
0: like any challenge. Know, that... Yeah. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's really good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, All relationships have their unique challenges, right? Regardless. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's fair to say that there are more with intergenerational ones. I can, I haven't been in one, right. but I will say they're probably different. Like there are certainly challenges yeah. that, that, that you would experience that perhaps I haven't. Uh, so if you feel so comfortable sharing, are there any like what would have been to the degree you want to share? What have kind of been the challenges <laughs> that you face specific to the intergenerational piece?
1: Yeah. So I think Im- for me, um, like I said earlier, like he is me just 10 years ago, which is funny. Um, I've been able to I guess the the one of the biggest challenges that like me, he's very um, persistent and very stubborn sometimes. And that that's, you know, I always make fun of it because I'm like, this is your interior cingulate gyrus talking, like, <laughs> like, let it go, like move on, right? Um, so that's been a challenge. Um, but I see it for me as a good challenge, because then I'm like, okay, that was me 10 years ago, what would I've told myself 10 years ago? Um, so we we talk a lot, we spend like so many hours talking, um, sometimes when, whenever we have like a, a real uh, thing that we need to work through. Um, so that has been one of the challenges is how they see things and sometimes getting stuck on seeing something and not, not allowing me to, you know, to show them that, um, that there's another way. Right. And, and it goes and it takes away from like, you're wrong. I'm right. It's more of like, there's another solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as, as gay, um, people, um, we can say that there's many options, um, and we should be the ones waving that flag of differences and possibilities and different options and not doing everything the way we were taught that we were supposed to live our life. So um, that's one thing that I'm, I'm, you know, challenged by him, like pretty much every day. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm challenged by him in that sense, which is, which is really cool at the same time, because then I know like, okay, I need to like figure out a way to say it a different way. So then he can, he can see it. Um, but at the same time, it it helps me grow, um, not just as a psychiatrist too, because then I know that I can present something to someone who is really stuck in their way, even they're way younger than me, right? Um, so that's one of the things that I've noticed has been one of the biggest challenges. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that
0: as, as you're speaking, the solutions that we're talking about are like the same solutions that work in non intergenerational exactly. relationships, yeah. communication, being honest, being clear, yeah. nurturing the connection, leaning on each other, talking, like reaffirming that commitment to each other. These are things that
1: every couple right. can be doing. Right.
0: Yeah. And I, and I find it interesting
1: when, when people are fascinated by that. and And I, that's why I keep going back to that idea is like, when your fascination is the age difference, that's when we can go into the arena of a fetish. But if your fascination is the person and you're in love with this person that you're going to hopefully pursue a relationship with, because we might, we might even be talking to people who are still thinking about it, right? Because they have the family, they have a the friend saying, hey, you shouldn't be in that relationship, it's not good for you, or blah, 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 right? Look at the other side of the coin. What are the good things of being in that kind of relationship? But forget about that. Focus on the person, What are the good qualities that this individual who's standing in front of me has, whether they are 10, 20 years older or younger than me, right? Um, Now, when we go younger, then you guys are thinking about the legalities of it. Yeah, right, of course. (laughs) In in some places, right? Um, But at the end of the day, I think it boils down to that, you know, like focus on the person. And if you're in love with that person, go for it, you know? Um, I think people are always going to, give their input and and want you to not pursue whatever they had in their heads that you should be pursuing um and and i think you know it's one of the one of one of those challenges too because i think with family um it's it's difficult um with with you know they think a certain way um but it goes down to the same thing like you know you we want to you know to some extent we want to show them that i'm in love with this person but then there's still the other side of me that is like, you know what? No, like, screw it. Like, no, you don't have to prove yourself to other people. If you love that person, go for it. Um, but they're still going to, like, come and tell you stuff. So, yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this.
0: Uh, what would you say or what are your thoughts on, on people who, let's say, they're dating or they're looking for a mate and they're only looking. To, like, let's say they're on Grindr or whatever app. Yeah. And their age filter is like. You know i was just thinking that <laughs> like you know 40 and up and they're like 20 40 and up right yeah would you or the other way around whatever it is but they're only looking in this realm whether it's younger or older do you think that that is an issue like what are your thoughts on that
1: i mean um i think when that happens um the person might be that they've at least what i've seen from friends is like they've already experienced it and it didn't go well so then they they go based on that one relationship or that one hookup that didn't go well that then they're like oh that's it i'm never dating somebody less than 35 right or i'm never going to even going to try um so i can respect that you know like you you still have your 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 little guidelines that you want to follow um but i'm more literally of the mentality of embrace whoever comes in front of you that you might be interested in um and i think that limits us um and and I go back to the same, my same argument, like as gay men that, you know, that limits us, right? When when someone told us like, no, you can only date opposite sex, right? Or opposite gender, um, that limited us and that gave us frustration and we didn't like it because that's not what we were attracted to. Um, now, being on the other side of, of the world, right? We came out, we're good. Why are we going to limit ourselves even further? Um, and maybe that's something that we have to unlearn, yeah. right? Because yeah. um, we're missing out on good quality relationships. Because sometimes that grinder hookup might not be a lover, but it might be a really good friend um, that you might have met in the process. Um, yeah. But we're limiting ourselves from from those uh, rich relationships. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. One, one question that I think people
0: could ask as well is, you know, someone's telling me, about this you know either older or younger person i'll say okay tell me about them without telling me about their age or their body like right tell me about who they are and how they make you feel uh-huh. like let's talk about that side of the conversation and then if there's a really if there's a really rich conversation to be had with them like okay well then you're, you're obviously on the right track if it stops at like oh well he's got you know he's a silver fox and he's muscular i'm like okay what else you got you know and that, that could really speak to a lot of that kind of like your first question is like okay you know what 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 do you love about this person mm-hmm. yeah. yeah okay um going back to the fetish size fetishization piece, fetishization yeah is there any kind of like clinical like how, how do you as a as a doctor know when it's something like a fetish versus just a, an interest or preference
1: um it's well when when it's a fetish and and the age um, difference is is a fetish so that's when we go into like that's a particular fetish that the person has. Um, and again, it, it what what turns them on, what gets them off, is just that. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's almost like an object fetish. Um now with age, um, there isn't anything clinically um, written that says you know, per DSM 5, this is a diagnosis um to this day. Um, but when we when we talk about just objects and an object doesn't necessarily have to be a, an automatic object. It could be an idea. It could be a thought. Um, that's when you can start focusing on, okay, well, this is, sounds more like a fetish to me than to anything else. But, but it's, again, it goes back to that. Like my only focus of being with this person is because you are this right. And this particular thing could be an age difference. Um, you are, um, you know, you look like a, like a child. Um, and then that's when it gets really tricky. Um, I did have patients, um, in the adolescent unit who unfortunately were, um, we've, we've found this out, um, through our interviewing, um, that they were part of a human trafficking, um, especially during COVID. There was a lot of, um, just kids on the web, um, and it's super sad, but it, it was, something that we were able to discover. Obviously we contacted the authorities and they started their investigations. Um, So this particular girl will receive um, packages to dress like uh, a younger person, like a baby. So that's when you start seeing like, okay, now that is a fetish. So you see how there the age difference is like literally straight up just a sexual fetish um, that in this case is, is considered illegal because this is a minor, right? Um, so then that's where we doctors, then we come in and we're like, okay, so we need to assess the individual who's on the other side of the screen right now. We had to assess the adolescent who was dealing with her traumas. Um, even though there was no physical contact, there were still emotional traumas from that. Um, but then, um, working with the individual on the other side of the screen is what was the biggest challenge. Um, but at the end of the day, what it was, it was a fascination um, and in a, in a sexual desire for that idea, that object. Yeah. So that's when we say, okay, this is a fetish and it's not just like we've been talking about this whole time, right? It's it's fun, um, it's beautiful to learn about different ages. Um, and unfortunately, there's still that pattern of, of thinking, that pattern of behavior um, for that individual. Um, and I see the brain as a whole, Right. And, and I see a, someone with depression, someone with that kind of sexual fetish, the same. So my job is how do I treat them and how do I help them get better? Um, because there's something really going on in their brain that is not allowing them to to, you know, to live a healthy adult life. Um, and that's where the thalamus comes in and the all the other areas of the brain. Your favorite part of the body, the thalamus. Definitely.
0: Uh, <laughs> Hector, it's so it's so refreshing to hear you speak about this. And I think this will be very, very helpful for a lot of people. Uh, and it just goes to show the importance of having someone to speak to. So, you know, a lot of the times, like I see in the group, there's because of all these stigmas, there's a lot of shame attached. And if you're if you're really wondering, you're really curious, then, you know, there are there are resources out there, Hector being one of them, where you could ask these questions and you can you know dig a little bit deeper. Because what I hate to see is people suffering in silence instead mm-hmm. of talking, instead of going yeah. to a, a professional, a doctor, or whatever it may be to talk about it. Right? So many people will just suffer in silence. Um, yeah, and and I mean we both know that advocating for your own health, mental, physical, otherwise is is the way
1: to go. Definitely, totally agree. <laughs>
0: All right, Hector, before we wrap up today, um, do you have any last words on the topic?
1: No, I mean, aside from um, just embrace the, the person that's in front of you um, yeah. and and really get to know them. And um, and also at the same time, you'll get to know yourself even better because um, you probably didn't see things uh, in a different light. Yeah, can I agree so more? go for it. <laughs> and yay ye- and to us for the being in the 40 crowd.
0: I'm going to be doing for... Anyone listening out there, uh, I'll be doing a lot more content on this because I think it's very real for me. And you guys know that I love to talk about on on podcasts about situations that are very relevant to me in my life. Uh, So this year, expect to see a lot more from me about aging, these types of topics. Uh, I'll be having more conversations on the podcast and even on my own um, personal website and Instagram. Okay, Hector, I'm sure people are going to want to talk to you after this episode. So where can people find
1: you? Oh yeah. Anytime. Um, I'm pretty active on, on, on Instagram. I'm there like all the time. It's literally like my second phone number. Um, so I'll have, I have throughout the day, like constantly people asking me questions and, and, and I'll help them direct them as much as I can. So it's, um, at dr underscore Hector and my website is drhector.com pretty straightforward. Um, and, um, all the imaging and all the stuff that I'm doing now, I work with the uh, Amen Clinics, in uh, south florida and dr Amen is pretty pretty famous um, in his approach of how we treat the the brain and brain health um his last book is on the end of mental illness and it's fascinating because we can see how all these parts all these things that make us unique it's all coming from our brain we just have to have better tools to improve its health so then we can function better so yeah your instagram I mean, is awesome I'm trying I'm trying yeah it's like constantly like so many things that pop into my head of ideas and I'm like oh I need to set time to like put them in yeah give, give Hector a follow
0: uh that's actually how we met that's how we got connected yeah on Instagram, right yeah yeah I I always thought I didn't know it was a Dr. Amen I thought it was like amen like oh right? no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. that Daniel Amen
1: oh I didn't know that yeah.
0: cool Okay, so that's where you can find Hector. Uh, You can find me in the Men's Brotherhood in the Facebook group. If you're not already in there, please join us. Uh, We've got about six thousand plus guys who are interested in topics of personal development, mental health, and sexuality. Um, You can find me personally, Michael, at my Instagram, which is Willismo underscore Coach. I'm going to link all this in the show notes, guys. You don't have to like remember this or this down. I'll put it all in the show notes so you can find us easily. Um, and yeah, I guess that's what we've got for you today. So Hector, thank you so, so much for your time today and your wisdom as always. Uh, it's great to get a chance to talk to with you. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks everyone. Have a great rest of the day. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.